Hey Amazon selling enthusiast, it's Eric here. And if you're tired of the inventory management struggle, I've got a game changer for you. InventoryLab.com. Inventory Lab simplifies e-commerce. Inventory management integrates seamlessly with Amazon and even syncs effortlessly with QuickBooks for hassle-free accounting. Go to foxcitiesmm.com slash IL now because your success deserves efficient inventory management. Happy selling. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. And Gavin, we're back with another episode. We are, we should mention again that we are winding down to the end of the year. So mm-hmm. um, everybody, you're going to get probably one more uh, can full brand new episode this year. But then after that, it's going to kind of slow down because Gavin needs to take some time to finish all the other book projects and stuff he yeah. has. So we'll, we'll... I'm figuring we'll be putting out some reruns and we'll also put out periodically stamp a new episode into this feed every once in a while when Gavin yeah. has time to put one together. Yeah, I've still got I've still got more stories to tell. There's just some that um are easier than others. I've, today obviously I'm ready cuz we're here and I've <laughs> got the I've got the next one ready to go, the next one which is kind of sort of our last one. And then I've got others that are they need some work and and one I really hoped I would have had ready because it was a Christmas. And Aww. I really wanted the Christmas story out. <laughs> but even though I could find so much on the murder part of it, I could find almost nothing on the what happened after that part. So that one that one is probably not gonna show up for Christmas. Sorry. It's the it's the curse of being a true artist. You can't just can't refine it back to the perfect pro end product, so Yeah. But Yeah. But but today today we have what I think we're we're wrapping it up on a positive note well, here. This may be the greatest or at least second greatest episode we've ever done. Really? And I'm gonna say it before Ooh. we even start. Ooh. I don't know, man, because some of those early episodes were pretty epic. So I'm yeah. curious to see where this episode no, goes. <laughs> this may be even better. And uh I don't even wanna give a preview of what, what we're going to talk about on this, because it's just that great. <laughs> I don't I don't want to tell you little bit hints and pieces, because it's amazing. Only thing I will say up front is that this time, uh, part of our story is in Appleton, and part of our story is in Ellington. So, Ooh. New, new stop there. I don't think we've mentioned Ellington I, I think before. we did. We did do something in Ellington did before. We? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was somebody that murdered... I can't remember the story, but yeah, there was somebody in Ellington because my mother lives in Ellington. Yeah, and we talked about that fact that my mother lives there. People, please, nobody try to find my mother. Yeah, because you now know because there's probably two houses. And, yeah, so well, we're gonna talk about one of the two houses. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, not my mother's house. <laughs> no, I don't think this is your mother's house. Um, I don't know where your mother lives, but I don't think this is her house. Uh, okay, so here we go. This is the story of Joe Cannon. And uh, his name is Joseph George Cannon, or Joe Cannon, or what most people knew him as, Joe the Traitor. Okay. <laughs> so Joe, I'm just going to call him Joe throughout this episode. Joe, uh, born 1915. He studied engineering in college. He became a licensed engineer in the 1940s. During World War II, he worked in shipbuilding uh, for the Navy. Uh, in 1945, he marries Terry, his wife Terry. And they're as close as can be for the rest of their lives. 
Uh, Terry was an elementary school speech therapist. She also loved animals. So good, good side information just there. So you know. And she, she wrote a lot of diaries and journals as well. Uh, <laughs> that's just, so if you want to know a little bit about Terry, because she's not our focus. Joe was a maverick with unusual talents and always preferred independence to regular employment. As an entrepreneur, he established an engineering office where at various times he operated a commercial printing service an electroplating plant, not really sure what that is, an engraving shop, as well as single-handedly constructing houses, apartments, and commercial buildings. Wow. Yes. This was a resourceful guy. Absolutely. In 1958, he opened one of the earliest liquidation businesses in the Midwest. He opened it out on Highway 47, which uh, was near what is now, I say today, but I don't even know if this is still here, uh, near Valley Camera on Highway 47. Is Valley Camera still a thing? I think it might be, but I'm trying to think where it is. Okay. I mean, kind of near where the Valley Fair Mall was. Yeah. But anyways, proceed. So, so yeah. So, he, he owned a liquidation shop, which if you don't know what that is, it's like wholesale stuff that the main stores, Kmart, Shopco, whoever, don't want anymore. They go here. Um I know when I was growing up, there was a place in Medina called D&D Liquidators. Yeah, so we'd go out there. Anyway, and he was known as Joe the Trader, and he would put ads in the newspaper about what he had this week. Maybe he had BB guns or candy or marbles, all kinds of fun stuff. He patented a unique automatic flush valve, so he was also designing (laughs) stuff. He published two musical compositions, possibly more, but two that I could confirm, which were waltzes. He wrote them. Uh, with both the music and the lyrics, and he had written these waltzes to go along with a business idea that he had to put steamboats uh, out in the Fox River and play these waltzes during these steamboat tours, and he would serenade his guests while they were on their watery excursion. The project never happened. Yeah, doesn't seem like a very good idea. But... No. So this is this is who Joe is. But now we get to the thing. That Joe is actually known for. Okay. Besides being Joe the Traitor. A man named Robert Edinger was on TV promoting his new book, The Prospect of Immortality, sometime around 1964 or 65. Joe was intrigued and started corresponding with Edinger, eventually flying out to meet him in Oak Park, Michigan. Their discussions led them to believe that the biggest hurdle in cryonics wasn't the science, but a lack of designated facilities to care for the patients. Now, cryonics, if people don't know, is when, at the time that you die, you are frozen with the belief that someday medical science will be able to bring you back and you'll be healthy again. Okay. So, he becomes really deeply involved in this. In early 1966, Joe said, you know what? I've got the money. I will fund such a facility for you. We'll build it in Oak Park, Michigan. But it never got off the ground because local politicians didn't want anything to do with this. <laughs> in March 1967, Joe purchased 30 acres of land in Ellington, which if people don't know where Ellington is, it's about 12 miles of the Babel. The town gave Joe a permit to build a cryonic center. Nice. Please tell me it went through. Please tell me it went through. Indicating that he had met all the zoning and building codes, uh, he invested most of his savings in the project. Joe had several friends helped him drop the plans and transport materials, but at the end of the day, the project was his, and he more or less built it himself. He named the facility Hope Knoll, 
with a ground floor measuring 2,000 square feet and a basement vault measuring 1,200 square feet. The building had a loading dock and special piping to allow liquid nitrogen inside. <laughs> Hope Noel looked like a 70-foot ranch-style home with a Swiss chalet design. The basement was fireproofed. You don't want your frozen patients it's burning. <laughs> yeah. Joe said, you know what? It would also make a really good bomb shelter for the neighborhood. On either end of the building, he put a symbol. On one end, he put a sphinx, which represented eternity. And on the other end, he put the infinity symbol. That thing looks like the sideways eight. I just out of curiosity, do you know if this building still exists? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm really interested. <laughs> now that he had the building ready to go, he, he consulted with the state. He said, is this legal? Am I good? Can I do this? And so it got all the way up to the Wisconsin Attorney General, and the Attorney General issued an opinion on that, saying, you know, I think this might be okay. The Attorney General at the time was Bronson LaFollette, and LaFollette said, in my opinion, I think cryonics is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) However, I don't think that the state has any statutes that specifically ban the practice. The state health officer was like, I don't know about this, (laughs) and he asked for a second opinion. But in the meantime, things were moving forward. Joe said, like any pioneering or prototype project under development, there are some problems that have to be resolved with the state, which is to be expected. Great gains have been made in cryonics, and there are six or seven bodies in the country that have been successfully frozen. So not a lot. Not a lot. However, there is no permanent facility for custodial care, such as the one I am building. I believe it will be the first in the world. There's going to be some place in Wisconsin for storing the bodies, and I suppose that preferably it should be somewhere else, but I want it here. Joe believed that life could be extended at least 200 to 300 years. He said, the way I feel is this will someday be my contribution to mankind. Then the Attorney General's second opinion came out, and he said, all body preparations for cryogenic internments must be supervised by a licensed funeral establishment and the structure in which corpses are cryogenically interred must be located in a cemetery. So this created a problem for Joe. The first part, probably not so much. I mean, you're probably going to have an undertaker involved because you're dead. Mm -hmm. But his building was not located within a cemetery. So that was a problem. So how do you get zoned to be a cemetery? Uh (laughs) Uh Joe didn't give up. He reached out to his local congressman, Harold Freilich. And Harold Freilich agreed that this was wrong. (laughs) And he introduced a bill to the Committee of Public Welfare that would establish special qualifications and licensing regulations for cryogenic internment and special regulations for cryogenic centers. He said currently they had to be erected within an established cemetery. He says, but we should have a way around this because if this is specifically just for cryogenically interned people, They're not actually dead. (laughs) (laughs) They're just temporarily dead. (laughs) Wow. So you wouldn't put them in a cemetery. I'm going to guess that this did not work. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) The uh, state head of the Wisconsin Funeral Directors Association was very concerned about all this, and he was actually opposed to the idea of the cryonic centers. Um, Not for any scientific reason, but he just thought this would really make things legally a mess. He says, well, what happens when somebody dies? Can I sign a death certificate? Am I not allowed to sign sign a death death certificate? certificate? (laughs) I mean, 
at this point, can I even can I even remove a body from the home? Because if you're saying they're not actually dead, I don't have the right to move them. Then I become a kidnapper. Like it's like we have to completely redefine what death, death is. is. <laughs> like this is a serious problem. So yeah, uh, even the local funeral directors around Appleton were were kind of concerned. They said, you know, we're not we're not really opposed to it. We just think this needs needs a little bit more work. All right. In January 1970, Wisconsin formed the first cryonic cemetery association. It was, of course, headed by Joe Cannon. <laughs> so now the idea is the land will be designated as a cemetery, but it'll be specifically designated as a cryonic cemetery. So it meets the specifications the state wants, but they're not going to actually bury people. <laughs> so he's trying to work his way around, around here. So at this point, things are going before the state, um, and Joe speaks, you know, to the state, to the Congress, and he says, by this point, in 1971, there are now 14 cryonically frozen bodies in the United States, um, which, again, doesn't sound like a whole oh, lot. No. Uh, he says, the nearest one to here is a 54-year-old woman in Iowa. He said that no one was cryonically frozen in Wisconsin yet, but if he was allowed to operate a center, Wisconsin would become a world leader. In the cryonics movement, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily what the state wants, but that's that was his selling point. He said that the freezing causes a body to age the same in 100 years as it would in one minute under normal circumstances. Wow. He also proposed the idea of windows for people to see into the tubes, but not out. He said, I think that's a little bit ghoulish, but it's a matter of personal taste. If family members want to visit their frozen loved ones, why not? Uh, kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of weird, but okay. He started a company called the Cryo Era Corporation to design and sell cryonic equipment to other people throughout the country. So other people could copy what he was doing. In 1985, Joe and his wife Terry joined a company called Alcor. And Alcor was like the biggest nationwide company in favor of this sort of thing they joined because terry had died terry was cryopreserved in february 1985 allegedly when terry died they cut off her head and her head was shipped to california and frozen for thirty-four thousand dollars. she was the first head that was operated on by the people at that particular facility in California. So I don't know how confident I feel about that. <laughs> no, not at all. And they probably screwed that one up, right? First try through. Yeah. When did the when did he start on this mission? Like when when did this story start? I can't remember. Like Cuz we're in 1985 right now. Yeah, he started in like 65 and we're up to 85. So he did he's been working on this project for 20 years. Yes. My god. After Terry was frozen, and it was almost time for her birthday, Joe was thinking about what might be an appropriate gift to give her for when she's finally revived. He said she loved to travel and see new sights, and did as much of it as was possible on her limited finances. Joe said his solution was to arrange passage for my wife on the first civilian flight to the planet Mars. It took some effort to convince a travel agent that he was serious about this, but a gift certificate was made out, <laughs> and he made a down payment so that nice. when his wife was on Frozen, she could be on that first trip to Mars. Joe wasn't really hopeful that she would be on Frozen in time for the first trip. He said, she'll have to take a later flight. 
but I know my wife, and she won't be very happy about missing the first flight. <laughs> so, uh, so take note, people. When we finally fly people to Mars, <laughs> Terry's got a ticket. She gets to go. All right. So shortly after Terry's death, the man who had operated on her in California came out to Appleton, uh, or really Ellington, and visited Hope Knoll, uh, spoke with Joe, and Joe sh- showed him uh, Hope Knoll, but then also showed him what he was currently doing to make money. He was out of the business as Joe the Trader, but now he had created a machine that he put in a special formula and by turning a crank, he could make French tickler condoms. What? <laughs> We're like, this is not real. You're making no, this up. this is real. <laughs> this is real. He created a French tickler machine. All right. So, so that was now his primary income was selling, was selling fancy condoms. Uh, also, in this same year, 1985, Joe had coronary bypass surgery done which the doctor said would extend his life another decade. So he's still living. He's doing good. Okay, and at this point, does is his Hope Knoll or whatever, there's not a single body there's in nobody there. nobody in there. Okay. There's nobody he's in there. still fighting to get the state to let him actually right. operate it. The building right. is just sitting there. Okay. In 1989, he releases his self-published memoir, Recollections of an Average Man. Now, I was not able to get a copy of this. Um, I looked, and no library in the state of Wisconsin has a copy, so I don't know where you can find this. But allegedly, it contains numerous anecdotes about everyday life. And the primary plot is his struggle to get his wife to keep raisins out of the recipes that she makes. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's awesome. This guy is awesome. (laughs) Yes. Time goes on, and uh, it's up to 1995. Um, he's still alive. He's on several medications, but he's still kicking. Um, and he's still like, he's still kind of a big deal. Like he's underground because this is an underground thing, but within that community, he's a big deal. He's speaking at national conferences. Uh, in October, 1995, he gets an interview with the discovery channel. Oh, wow. So they put him on there and they film an episode that's released as immortality on ice. I did not watch this. I do not know, but you could probably find it out there somewhere. But at this point, he had reached a state of depression. He started to doubt that Chronics would ever be successful. He told the Discovery Channel, My wife, Terry, will be able to find someone better than me in the future. She is better off without me. He's so sad. He's so sad. He thinks that she'll be brought back, but he's not so sure that it's the right thing anymore. By the end of that year, Joe's doctor sent a letter to Alcor, the freezing people, informing them that Joe had prostate cancer cardiac disease, and progressive lung disease. His time was short. The doctor said he had maybe 90 days left. Joe then informed Elcor that he was no longer interested in cryonics and he wished to be cremated. Elcor President Steve Bridge called Joe and wrote him numerous letters urging him to reconsider and move to Scottsdale, Arizona. Why Scottsdale? I don't know. Joe was their friend, but more than a friend, he was also a pioneer in the field of cryonics. If he decided to get cremating, it would cremated, it would really be a blow to the cause that the right. guy promoting it all these you know decades doesn't end up doing it. Yeah, they end up visiting Joe, and they could not convince him to move to Arizona, but they did get him to cancel the cremation order. Finally, possibly unrelated to all the health issues, Joe fell from a ladder in his yard while trimming some trees, and he broke a rib. That was the end of him, basically. 
Basically. Basically. Okay. The next day, while he is laying in bed, painfully recovering from a broken rib, he decides this is the end. He puts a plastic bag over his head and passes out. His neighbor, an elderly woman, somehow caught him doing this. <laughs> he called the police. But three days later, he did it again. He did it again. This time, he tied a pillowcase over his head, and he ended up suffocating. And that one got him. That one got him. I, I'm surprised. I, I feel like a pillowcase wouldn't even be, like, you would think Eric could get through that. You would think that. But. Uh, Alcor managed the best that they could, but it took them several hours to arrive on the scene and to convince the medical examiner not to autopsy Joe's head. The freezing was not optimal, but it is believed to have been done successfully. So now he and Terry are the rare married couple who are both frozen. Joe had no children, though he had nieces and nephews in Florida. So, as of right now, today, in 2022... They are still frozen somewhere in California. There are two frozen heads in California of Joe and Terry. (laughs) So, no murder, no mayhem in this episode, but definitely a a strange individual from Appleton. Um, You know, and somebody out there is going to be like, it's not strange. The guy was, clearly he was ahead of his time. And, you know, maybe, maybe. But seems pretty strange to me. I don't know. And do you know, cryogenics, There, there's still a movement of that in existence today. Yeah, it exists. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Like, like you can go to Alcor's website, and I mean... They and they still exist. They still and... exist, and they still promote it and everything. Um, and they have these annual conferences, and they have uh, scientists come out and talk about things that are relevant, you know... About how health can be prolonged and uh, and things that are you know kind of related like flash freezing you know like how you do to preserve food. I'll have some of these food scientists come out and talk about that because it's kind of related to how they do this. So that yeah, they still have people doing this and and the people who run Alcor like whether they're crazy or not, and I probably for legal reasons can't say that they're crazy. <laughs> um, but but whether they're right or not, I mean they are doctors. They are you know professionals so it's not just a bunch of random, random people. people trying to do this thing yeah it's it's, it's... so they're people who know what they're talking about and really believe in it so um i have my doubts personally but you know it, it's not impossible and do you know like did anybody ever successfully open a cryogenic facility in wisconsin did you look to, into that to at all? my knowledge there is not one but i i could be wrong i could be wrong but yeah joe had tried for 30 years, and he, I mean, he built the building, I mean, but nothing and, ever happened. And that's just insane. That, like, what, this is another one of these stories where it's like, this happened 10 minutes from here, yeah. 15 minutes from yeah. here, and who would have ever guessed, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, this is on par. I don't know if this is better than the UF episode, but that's it's what I, right. That's why I yeah. said, that's why I said it's either the best or the second best. Yeah. Because UFO it, might still be better. But. Yeah. Because the UFO one was pretty nuts, though, too. Yeah. I, I. You know what, though? If this one would have been the first one, this one would have been the best one. Yeah. Because it's just that they're yeah. just so out there that... And it's not even... And honestly, the UFO people, I think, are nuts. I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, UFO people. I think they're nuts. Um, this guy, I don't think he's nuts. I mean, he's eccentric for sure, but like, this isn't as wild as thinking you've had several meetings with aliens who are telling you things like maybe that happened, but I find that a little (laughs) questionable. 
here, like, the idea that you could be frozen and brought back, it's it's far-fetched, but it's not impossible. Right, and I guess when you look at it, it's like, they're, they're not saying that, they're not saying, we don't know if this is ever going to be done, but mm-hmm. but let's preserve ourselves just in case it ever does right. happen. And I mean, you look at where our technology was 100 years ago, and you kind of have to think, like, where's it going to be at in 100 years yeah. from now? Yeah, because, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's a night and day difference. It's not impossible. It, it's just what makes this so much fun is that Joe is an interesting character. <laughs> I mean, even even if cryogenics turns out to be 100% true and works out, Joe is still an interesting guy. guy yeah. <laughs> and you got to, like, I mean, in the 60s that, to think that this could happen. And yeah. then he, it sounds like he spent every dollar he had. Yeah putting into this concept and putting that building up in Ellington, which probably just sat there for 30 years of his life yeah. because they would never let him do anything. Yeah, and I don't crazy. know if it's still standing or not. I would suspect it's not, but I don't know. I, I don't know exactly Did, where it was. Okay, you never came up with like an address for it or anything like that? I don't know if I had an address. It's not in my notes, so I may not have an actual address. I'm guessing at the time it was built... It probably didn't really have an address. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean... Because it literally would have been out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I El- mean, Ellington isn't really much of anything. So they'd be like, oh yeah, that house out on highway, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, very, very interesting story. Yeah. So I hope everybody enjoyed that because I, I think that was a really, really good one. We thank everybody for their continued support. Unless you got anything else you want to add, Gavin? No, that's about it. Okay. So yeah, this we're uh, kind of got a high note here. Next time, I think next time story is going to be good uh, as well. Probably not quite this good. Sorry, but uh, but it'll be good. And then yeah, then we'll just from here on out it'll be kind of sporadic. We can you know maybe maybe a new one once a month instead of every two weeks we'll see what happens yeah i don't i don't want to abandon this so don't turn off your rss feed or however you get and is that even a thing an rss feed yes it's still a thing they're trying to get rid of it in podcasts but it still exists okay so (laughs) my technology knowledge is like 20 years old at this point yeah but most Uh, people most people probably don't even realize that there's an rss feed so we should say unsubscribe do not unsubscribe from this podcast okay but either way yeah stay on that uh because new things will show up here and there we're not abandoning it it's just going to be a step back yeah so there are there's stories coming up forward uh, I know next time we we got some interesting uh, a handful. There's actually at least three deaths in the next time's episode. Oh wow! Um, and uh, and not long after that, I've been working on one where a guy dies in a glue factory. So hey, you know that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be interesting too. So. Yeah, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we will be back with our final episode in two weeks, and we're just going to kind of put it out there that just. Keep yourself subscribed, and when we can drop an episode, we will drop an episode moving forward after that. So thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.